0: This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome once again to Catalog and Cocktails. It's your honest, no BS, non salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. Brought to you by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan.
1: Hey, I'm Juan. How are you, Tim? I'm it's, doing good. are good, great. Um, and now we're both in the same place. We are. We're in Austin. Austin so. HQ, Data.World HQ. There we go. Um, I have gone around the world in the last couple of weeks. I so know. I feel like you've been gone for a while, I, and then now you're back. Yeah, we were here. So um, it is great to be back. It is on Austin. It is Wednesday. It is middle of the week, end of the day, and uh, having a nice uh, whiskey here. We'll talk about it in It's a hot outside, it outside too. We, hot we, outside we need today. an
0: icy cocktail.
1: And uh, before I introduce our guests, I want to go say thank you to all our listeners. And I've been starting to talk to our listeners uh, this week. I spoke with Sarah Hampton. Sarah, if you're listening, I know you usually listen live. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time because we want to be really to learn what people are talking about, what they're thinking. Uh, give us feedback. Uh, so if you are, want to give us feedback, please reach out to us on LinkedIn, uh, email me at one at data We want to hear from you. And if you do, we'll send you t-shirts. We are, we're going to ramp up a merchandise store because I think from all the feedback we got people want t-shirts. So contact us and we'll send you t-shirts. Um, all right. So with that today, this is going to be a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk with Sanjeev Mohan. He is a former Gardner analyst, principal at, Sanj- at Sanjmo. And well, the cool thing about Sanjeev is that he is an honest, no BS guy, and he's an <laughs> he's the, he's the, he's the analyst who, I mean, has learned, has, uh, has to go manage all the situations that analysts go in, but now he's in this, in this independent, and he's talking to so many people, and every time I talk to Sanjeev, we just end up talking for so much, for hours and hours, so this is going to be an awesome conversation,
2: and we're just going to talk about all things data analytics. Sanjeev, it is a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on this show. I love talking to both of you. I I love the collaboration we've had in the past. And I just have to say that I, I'm literally high on data. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Love> <laughs> it.
2: such an exciting space right now. In fact, uh, I sometimes I feel like this is like the, the dot-com boom time without the irrational exuberance. But we know what happened to dot-com boom, so hopefully... You know, we know a recession is coming, and hopefully, it won't be that bad. But as of now, I, it's just exciting times. Well, we'll we'll get into
1: a lot of these topics of what's really going on here. But before we do, uh, what are we drinking? What are we
2: toasting for? Sanjeev, you take us off because I know you're in an interesting yeah. place right now. Yes, so I am right now in the in Javits Center in New York City at a vendor event, and unfortunately, I went looking in the expo hall. For an alcoholic beverage which i need to talk to both of you i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i couldn't find one so i'm with my trusty water bottle uh, i am an environmentalist at heart i refuse to use a plastic glass i have flown like you one million miles but i i have i do not use a plastic glass i only bring my own container so so i'm drinking water sorry Say. All right, same thing. I do have my trusted water bottle, and I actually yeah. have
1: now my coffee mug, and I'm like, I just – Yes. Like, that's my yeah. way to kind of contribute a little bit. So, Yes. What are What are you drinking here?
0: Uh, I'm drinking some Still Austin whiskey um, mm. with some um, some key lime soda. So a yeah. little lo-fi today. In the office, our, our, our catalog game is not as strong. Yeah,
1: we need to go through it. <laughs> we need is, to set up our is, full this, cocktail this, bar. This is not good. I'm, I'm having an. I brought some bitters that I left them here in my office. Just to say, I added something, so I have bitters with Elijah Craig Rise when I'm having. It. Also, a, spa, a splash of Lacroix. But, anyways, cheers! Cheers to just. I, what do you want to go? Cheers to, cheers to data,
0: and cheers yeah, to yeah. sustainability. I like that. There we go. Yeah, cheers yeah to there you go. Good go
1: topics. Go great. All right, our warm up question today. Yes. In the magic quadrant of summer foods, what goes in the leader quadrant? And what
2: goes in the niche? Ooh, what a question. I don't know how you come up with these questions. But I think the most exciting space in Magic Quadrant for food, in food industry, is vegan food. The amount of development that's going on in, in the vegan space is mind-blowing. It even blows away what's happening in, in data management because these companies are coming up with, new and innovative ways of, of uh, new food. And I'm not talking about impossible burgers and Beyond Meat. Those are like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Those are software projects, by the way. I am talking about, you know, uh, you concocting new dishes using natural ingredients. So that's in leader quadrant. Uh, not everybody is vegan. Not everyone will like this answer. But I've, I feel like at some point, Ten, fifteen years from now, most of us will be pushed into that space, because what's a niche stakes, and I know you guys are from Texas.
1: <laughs> okay, this is I, I, would I, actually, I like it. I like this, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had some tofu for lunch, so I'm I'm on board. Uh, I'm already are, there. Yeah. <laughs> that,
1: um, no, I, I I had a taco deli steak and pork. Tacos. Oh, that was the opposite. <laughs> that was different. Well, do you have a good answer? I'm like I'm. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought that was
0: pretty creative, yeah. Sanjeev. You really rolled with that one. Yeah,
1: um, I, I can't beat that one. I would just give you that one. I, I, I,
0: I, I honestly got distracted by the idea of the cool vendor. I was like, okay, if vegan food is in the top yes. right, I went, who's the cool vendor, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
1: I love where things. Yes. All right. Well, I'm sure there's some food podcast people are listening to that Yeah. That they actually are talking about this stuff. But yeah. All right. Let's get into our topic today. Uh, Sanjeev, you are talking to a lot of people, right? Vendors, practitioners, I mean, leaderships. So what is the honest, no BS challenges that you're seeing across the space from large and small organizations, what they're facing right now with data analytics?
2: Good question. I would say one of the biggest challenges is organizations trying to parse what is going on in the data and analytics space. I feel that there's micro-segmentation going on. Every, every layer and sub-layer is getting disaggregated into its own thing with 20 different vendors saying, yeah, we do the same thing. I, I'll just give you an example. Like for example, you know, we never heard of something called reverse ETL. All of a sudden reverse ETL comes up and it's like, it's a must have technology, okay? But then so many vendors come into reverse ETL that the reverse ETL vendors start backing off and they say, no, 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 we are no longer reverse ETL. Then what do you do? Oh, I'm a data activation layer. I'm an operational analytics layer. So you see, so I, I think I, from an end user's point of view, just keeping up, like people like me, you know, we get paid to to play in this this playground. But end users have a day job. And I think their biggest problem is how do I select a technology that would future-proof me for the next five to seven years? I'm set. I am set. But uh, I, I'm not looking to see, oh, wow, the winds have shifted. Now I have to go look for something entirely different. I think that's a, that can be a big challenge.
1: So this is interesting because you're saying that the challenge right now is not actually, I mean, the first thing that you said yeah. when we asked the question is, it's not actually data problems. It's the vendors. Like the problem, one of the, the largest problems right now is that there's just so many vendors out there. And I agree with you. I mean, right now, yeah, yeah. every single feature, yeah, not every single feature, but I mean, features are becoming categories by themselves and all these vendors. And I'm like, right. I mean, we sales all the time, like what? So there's like, you, you, you put the whole landscape of the modern data stack and all the ML and all these things is like, right. Wow, so you really need to go uh, acquire 15, 20 different tools. And there's, I don't know how many vendors for each one. So how the heck do you evaluate yeah. all these do things? You
0: need a data monitoring tool and a data alerting tool and a data, this tool and a data that tool. And before right. you know yeah. it, like, well, what if these things don't come together in a cohesive way? And, and then you mentioned future proofing, right?
2: Yeah. I, I, I tell my clients that, you know, I know you're not going to boil the ocean in one shot, but, Have a systems thinking. Uh, Like, look at your, like, if you're going to go into digital transformation, then, you know, look at it from a holistic point of view. And then, uh, whatever you pick, you know, keep in mind that two years down the road, you may pick a data observability tool or you may pick uh, a metrics layer, might might be like, you know, come to fruition and you'll pick a metrics layer. So, so you don't want to uh, have bottoms up decision where you're picking things like different people are picking things independent of the overarching strategy or theory or, or you know, so, so start with a big picture, but, but start small, but mm-hmm. have, have that, that, uh, that strategy in mind.
1: So 've we've, we've had this conversation with many people about the, the modern the core modern data stack right what is Sanjeev's core modern data stack what are the core things that you the minimal
2: the viable thing that you should start off with and then how would you expand so you know modern data stack is like many many terms. Uh, if you remember, you know, I, I did a, uh, the keynote at your data, data.world uh, summit, and I talked about, I had a slide on the tyranny of jargons. I find modern data stack falls in that. So for some people, modern data stack is 5Trend, HVR for ingestion, DBT for transformation, Snowflake for analytics. But I, I think it's, it's a lot more than that. Uh, those are the building blocks So b- for analytics. But b- by the way, when we talk about modern data stack, we completely ignore or forget that there's a whole operational piece to it. Uh, and we go straight to analytics. So in my mind, a modern data stack uh, would include uh, an operational and analytical database. Hopefully, you know, there's some synergy. They're not, you know, one is from Mars and one is from Venus. So they're, you know, sort of tied together. So I have my, my persistence layer, I have my data integration, data transformation layer, and then I have my data consumption. So I've got data producers, data enablers, and data consumers. Data enablers in the middle? They are the ones who are doing things like uh, data ops, data transformation, data governance, data security uh, access control. So, so there's a lot going on, but those are, I, I, would, I would say a modern data stack, should, we should think of it in those three pillars, producers, enablers, consumers. Okay, so I wanna dig into
1: one thing here. You sure. started up saying operational databases. Yes. And kind of more, What do you define as an operational database here? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. So an operational or transactional database are literally the sort of the uh, systems of record, like, you know, right. it could be a help desk. It could be customer management, ERP. Uh, in case of hospital, medical, uh, it, it's an EMR or EHR, electronic medical record. But there are, are applications nowadays tend to be, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, they're applications. And by the way, that whole space could get disaggregated too in a few years. Like the way this technology is changing, you know, we could be rewriting these monolithic ERP applications on an object store with a business logic on top. So that, I think that's the next big thing that will change. I like this. I think this is, this is, I'm starting to go see people
1: talking yeah. about this stuff. I think this is where you start bringing in the semantics come in because at yes. the end of the day, what Correct. you really want to go do is uh, the, the, the business logic and right. the application, like these things, need if they're connected in a way, like it's, yeah. our lives are going to be much easier. Like we should really be thinking about the business logic for the application. It should just be a query, a database query workload. And right, right now, we just have these gigantic separations of stuff, right? Yeah. And that's why you want to have these semantic layers and metrics layer because you're dealing with the application-centric yeah. view and we want to have the data-knowledge-centric view. So th- that's a that's a great point of what we're going to go to. But I think we're far away from that yet.
2: Yes, because- that is true. Th- that piece is, is, is far away. And so that's why I don't want to go there. I don't include that in modern data stack. But modern data stack, to me, uh, consists of uh, technologies in all of these spaces, but it, it, they're sort of integrated in some way. Uh, I, I, I have two options. I can do best of breed, and I can get the best uh, database here and the best data catalog and the best uh, BI tool, and then I have to figure out how to integrate them together. You know, The other option is get an integrated solution, and I think the trend will be towards some sort of integration that's already happened. Maybe it's through bi-directional APIs. So they're exchanging metadata. So if I'm doing data quality, data quality is not a a standalone piece. Data quality is integrated with my data catalog. So data catalog does a discovery, tags, creates a metadata, data data catalog remediates, and updates the data catalog. You see, so there is like synergy. There's some sort of integration that has happened.
0: Mm-hmm. So the more that these things are able to, so even if it's best to breed and separate, the more that yeah. these integrate and interoperate better together, yeah. ultimately, those are going to be the kinds of solutions that people want to adopt.
2: That is correct. Yes.
0: I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I, I I think we're getting some good takeaways here about your perspective around sort of your modern data stack, even though maybe that's not the, the perspective or, you know, the terminology that you might necessarily use here, um, you know. Just to come back a little bit to this idea of, you know, the operational databases and SaaS tools and things like that. I think that's interesting that you bring that up in the context of, of sort of the data approach. Um, I noticed that a lot of folks, when they talk about the modern data stack, they almost try to position it like it's separate, like it's its own special thing that sits off to the side. Um, you know, what's some of your reasoning on kind of like having a bigger picture when you think about the data stack?
2: So, you know, I I really feel uh, that we, like we means like uh, all of us in the IT industry, we live in our own echo chamber and we, we are reading the same people, uh, we are reading the same blogs uh, every week. And we're and we're kind of going
1: in circles. What I yes. say, right? You're like in a, you're on a bicycle. Like, this is the main image I've been doing. Like you're on a bicycle going <laughs> around in
2: circles. <laughs> yes, exactly. So sometimes, you know, when I talk to to the end users, they they come back and they say, you know, I don't. We don't care what the category is. I have a business problem to solve and i need i need you to, to you know to tell me how to solve the problem you can call it whatever you want i remember many years ago uh, the place where i worked you know we had a raging debate is it data governance or is it information governance is it data quality or information quality the clients don't care they they're like i'm desperate i'm dying with data quality problems somebody please give me something that works because everything in the last 40 years has not worked and now I have a problem because now I'm doing predictive analytics I'm doing machine learning so the stakes are much higher and my problem is not solved so I have basic foundational problem I don't care what you industry people right. categorize it as. but why is that still the
1: case I mean why do yeah. we why do we continue to fall in this trap of technology all the time and and thinking about the category i mean i, I mean I'm, I'm literally kind of out of words now because i say this constantly all the time and but when we go back again on the technology and the technology like why are we having the same problems that yes. we've been
2: arguing for the last 30 years why yeah a uh, good question you know uh i don't know you know why why we haven't solved these maybe maybe you know the technology was not there like at scale maybe we had technology but we relied too much on excel as a, as our tool of choice at the end of the day now we cannot do it so now i i'm just uh, guessing it. like now that we have cloud and we have elasticity i, I we very easy to to uh, get so much power uh, machine learning and so, some of these technologies have come of age, uh, and so I, I think we now have the shot to do it. Uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the concepts we use are from 1950s, 60s. You know, some of the machine learning algorithms are from uh, there. I know data.world is really big into graph technologies. Graph is not anything new, no. but now we have the power. And I I think now, finally, we are going to be able to tackle.
1: Yeah. I I just hope that there's not something else that we're going to have this discussion in another 10, 15 years. And we're going to say in 10, 15 years. Well, at that time, we didn't have X and X is going to be. And then I'm like, but wait, no. I mean, right now we're saying this is the time to go do this. So, yeah, I don't know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to imagine, you know, 15 years from now what we're going to wish that we could tell our current selves, right?
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, you know, to, uh, during the dot-com boom days, we thought we had uh, we had cracked the nut. And this mm-hmm. is it. You know, we're in the golden age of computing and uh you know, but we we were sorely mistaken. You know, we focused so much on technology, uh, it was all about getting eyeballs and not about business metrics and that you know that just crashed and burned and now we think we are there but history repeats so right. 15 years from now we might be having another podcast and going what went wrong why didn't we fix A- cataloging
0: cocktails uh the, bring the <laughs> band back together right <laughs> yes yeah um you know uh sanjeev there's a couple of really big trends that it feels like are is going on in the data space um that is that is a little different than sort of your traditional sort of just you know normally what's been happening around data right you know and and uh one of them is around sort of Metadata becoming a little bit more part of the conversation. And it, it feels like even the modern data stack people who maybe were very, three or four years ago, very kind of focused on like, ah, I need my ETL in my data warehouse. Even now, that community is starting to broaden into like, oh, wait, metadata, oh, semantics, things like that. And then the second is around sort of this, you know, like this emergence of, uh, you know, either excitement or not excitement around things like data mesh, right? Like uh, this sort of the socio technical combination, people yeah. process technology working together. Um, which is not a conversation that hasn't happened before but has some some new life and some new um, some new tools and new frameworks to think about right M- Maybe just starting with metadata yeah uh, what what's your what's
2: your perspective
0: on how yeah, metadata yeah. fits into how you see the the data stack and what we need to do right. as you know as data as part of our data strategy
2: You know my Gartner colleagues used to joke i I never met a data I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I I oh, think be a T-shirt for us. I have never okay. met data. I didn't like.
2: I I think metadata is really the the glue. That's the, the key that is is now uh, allow, uh, That's letting us connect different pieces. Uh, like you said, you know now even if I do data transformation, I have metadata. I can, without metadata having a a common metadata, it's very hard for me to have a lineage, to understand what's going on. In fact, I'm such a strong believer in metadata that I believe metadata should be the master uh, or the leader that drives data orchestration, data quality, data observability, uh, data security and privacy. So all of these things should be driven by metadata. When, When I discover metadata, and I tag it into a business semantic layer. Now I start observing. You know, uh, did somebody leave my buckets open? I have a I have a metadata for buckets, so so now it's a security problem. Uh, uh, did did my uh, data uh, volume suddenly unexplainably fall? If so, then go call uh, data orchestrator and and do a triage. So you see, so m- to me, metadata becomes the driver and everything should hinge on metadata. In the past, metadata was like the offshoot, you know, it was exhaust, right. you know, uh, and we didn't do much with it mainly because it was mostly technical metadata. So what can you do with technical metadata? You can profile your data and you can do a histogram, uh, you know, but it, it's a snapshot in time. Now it's not a snapshot in time. It's continuous as data comes in metadata gets generated as metadata gets generated we take the next best action based on metadata
1: so so is this something that i mean, I mean going back into we talk about history like oh what what's like we've been talking about these problems and yeah. why are they continue to be a problem today that is something that we didn't talk about that as much 10 15 years ago about metadata right it was it was an afterthought right yeah I mean, and, and so that, that has now turned into a first-class citizen. I think that's yes, a change yes. that has to happen, right? I think Correct. That's, so I would say that is a, is a change. Second is the cloud definitely has accelerated. It has led us things to be somehow cheaper, too. Uh, you can now set up, uh, do all this pipeline, all these things with click. What I say click, 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 and now you have a warehouse and you have data put into it, right? Now yes. there's more things around it, but very quickly you can do that. So I think those are the changes that we have seen. Uh, yeah. Compared to the past, right? That has
2: really changed. Yeah. Throughout. So, I, so I just want to, you know, uh, mention one more point because you mentioned uh, moving to the cloud. So, so literally, there's a stampede uh, to move to the cloud. But what has happened uh, in recent months and years is that it's it's so easy to get started on the cloud. Companies moved uh, lift and shift, or they they moved into the cloud, and now they are they are complaining about cost. So metadata is actually a way out because metadata can tell me what are my critical data elements? What is the usage? Why should I move it to the cloud? You know, if if my workload is constantly being used and I'm not going to take advantage of elasticity, or if, if my usage shows that I have not touched this piece of data in five years, most likely I should not move it to the cloud so th- th- i am i'm loving that you that you're that you're saying this and i think this is
1: one of the reasons why um i mean n- non salesy i put this aside but because i yeah. generally i generally believe this is metadata is everything there is connected right, right. because uh, you, you think about it it's well these things are part of X is part of Y, and, and, and X was derived from Y, right? So this table is part of a database. These columns are part of the, of the table. These views are here. These views take us, input something, and they generate something. So right? it's always about a movement of things, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that naturally gets represented as a as, it's a graph, right? I mean, it's, it's a mental model. And the, and the interesting thing is that the mental model, the, the schema about metadata is fairly simple compared to, like, just... Yeah broader how the business works. Right. And the right. thing is that it's also the same, almost the same type of scheme applicable to any, almost any types of sources you think about it. So mm-hmm. the scheme of a relational database of how you represent metadata, I don't care if it's a Snowflake, Oracle, SQL service. Yes, they're different, mm-hmm. there's some nuances, but it's the same thing essentially. So I think that that's one of the aspects there uh, is, is that metadata naturally is a graph. And now when you start thinking about kind of the, the lift and shift and a migration to the cloud and we go through these expenses, I see this as a graph problem too, because I'm like, hey, if I represent every my ecosystem today and it's all connected, what are my most important nodes in my graph? Oh, mm-hmm. like this particular a particular node is a stored procedure that takes as input I don't know fifty tables and it outputs to another sixty tables. Like that's a very important node. Uh, yeah, that's probably something you should consider and take a look into that right or you look at a graph and you're saying hey there's all these little isolated subgraphs around here they don't touch anything and then you put some context around it you just said it's like hey nobody's using this maybe i don't even have to pay attention to it so i think looking at this problem as a graph and you bring in like graph analytics into it this yeah. is something i personally
2: found really really interesting when you're thinking about how to go migrate uh, to the cloud so, mm-hmm.
1: so anyways,
2: uh, one I, I learned something uh, just just right now, because I never thought of it that way. I mean, I, I've always believed that uh, metadata is a graph, but because in graph, it's so easy to do centrality. So you can, I mean, it's it's just natural born way of seeing what is more important than others. Like in a relational there is no way you can ever tell that, you know? Uh, so... But in graph, you know, this kind of like you know, uh, algorithms, I just they come out of the box. So, so that's very interesting. And the other interesting thing you mentioned is like stored procedure. In the past, when we did metadata, it was all structured data. So we did you know tables, columns, uh, uh, primary key, uh, owners, uh, you know that kind of stuff. But uh, and so we could find missing values, and we can do uh, you know data types and all that. But now our metadata is for structured data, semi-structured data, that's, that's relatively easy. But unstructured data, now that is hard because now you need natural language processing that understands the domain and extracts some entity, which becomes metadata. But then you've got code, you've got reports. Reports, everybody does reports, but, the, but you've got you know, all kinds of like, you know uh, if my data is coming on a Kafka topic, then I need metadata for my topic. Uh, I, if I have machine learning models, I need metadata for my uh, models. So, so the scope of of catalog has just naturally expanded.
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing that a lot, too, um, from our perspective, too, is that like, Mm -hmm. I think catalog originally was kind of seen as like a subset of metadata management, right? It's a feature kind of of the card catalog kind of thing, right? But more and more now, actually metadata management, I think, is even seen uh, as being like a feature or use case on the catalog. And the catalog might do some of your observability, it might be involved in sort of metadata activation and things like that orchestration, right? So the catalog has become a very broad concept now, which is interesting
2: yeah and and that is uh, so so that leads to the problem see every every silver lining has a dark cloud so <laughs> so so now what's what's happened is that every product has a data catalog so so there are 70 pure play data catalogs but everybody has a data catalog and companies now have four or five different data catalogs. And you know, but, but to your point, data catalog is a system of record for metadata. Uh, how I access data catalog may not be through, directly through data catalog. Maybe that data catalog is headless. And what I mean by that is, uh, in the past, I could go to Slack and I can say, hey, I'm a new employee. Where can I find information about employees' email addresses? Because a compliance department is telling me to uh, mask email addresses because of GDPR. So some, some subject matter experts would reply to me in Slack. Today, if I do that search in Slack, what if the data catalog replies to me? Yep. And I don't even know. It's a robot that just replied to me. All I, I I got my answer, and it's comprehensive. And this is the point that you're saying earlier. Is like
1: users just want a solution. They yeah, don't give up, they don't give a fuck right. about what's underneath the stuff. Right, they just like give me an answer to the question. Right. Well,
0: in that sense, the you know, does a catalog have to be? like truly like a card catalog where you browse it or can a catalog or more broadly, a metadata solution, can Mm -hmm. it actually fade into the background and really metadata, whether you know it or not, it's an, it's a metadata infused and a metadata contextual experience.
1: I I do think that we're going to, I do think my perspective, I don't, maybe we kind of just, I'm curious to see if if Mm -hmm. we agree here, Tim and also Sanjeev is tool, let's call it just metadata in general. Let's just call it the glue because I think there's mm-hmm. so much here I want to unpack. Is that invisible? Yes. But that doesn't mean that it's only invisible. Right. I, right. I, I think it's important. So a lot of the analogies I've been talking about uh, with all the like the data products. And I think about, we, I, we still need a place where you need to go shop. Like you still go to Amazon to go buy things. Like, I mean, the product that arrived to your house and that's what you wanted, but you still had an experience of going through amazon and shopping and buying and comparing all that stuff mm-hmm. and i think that experience is what i would consider also part of a catalog and you actually went into that catalog would i would i go in and and, and buy things by chatting on a slat on, on a on a bot or whatever no i still want to go through the traditional quote-unquote catalog and go buy that stuff right yeah uh, but another interface to my catalog to amazon is talking to to uh, alexa Right, mm-hmm. that's yeah. another experience. Like Alexa is now talking to that. Let's call it that. Med, the the catalog there. What is Amazon? So I think we need to. That's my position here. So it's yeah not just completely invisible. Like it, I I still depending on the users and the use case, I'm going to go in and search for that stuff too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's there's different user experiences on top of metadata.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like fifty shades of data catalog, optionality. You know. You are so full of all these great. <laughs> books right I love this. I, love I was this. I was actually thinking of what is that Simon Simon and Garfunkel song, Seven Ways to Forget Your Lover. No, what's the number? So basically, I, okay.
0: I, I, that's it. the name of the song. I don't remember the exact right number. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't our commenters number, know, yeah. please leave a comment on LinkedIn <laughs> that is uh, going to be important for your <laughs> professional network to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it'll be helpful to us. Yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah.
1: great. But one of the things, I love how we're talking so much about metadata and our passion for metadata here. And I think what's important is that the metadata, again, it's a means to an end, right? People, the, the, and, the, and what it's actually providing is all this context. Mm-hmm. I think, right. And I think, and we need to think metadata, as you said, it, it's not just a te- technical aspect. Yeah. What th- This is what I've been talking to more people. And this is kind of my, 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 messaging right now is like, we need to start cataloging the knowledge, start cataloging the questions people are asking and, and the, who's asking them and what are the, let's catalog the hypotheses that people have uh, uh the, the outcomes that have had. So I think this is more of those things that we need, that we need to consider, which, yeah, it's technically metadata in a way. I mean, but uh, th- that's where our, th- that's what we need to go to. I mean, yeah. that's my position and my vision right now. I don't know. Wh- what do you think about that, Sanjeev? What do you mean? Yeah,
2: I, no, I I'm completely with you. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Okay, great. I'm not I'm not um, not crazy. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. So you know, th- I, by the way, I I have to say that we are living in such changing times that that we're not crazy. I mean, there. I, in my opinion, there are no experts. We are all learning as we go, and we are literally a step or two ahead of, of others. And, you know, and things change, you know. It's like, uh, depending on who you talk to, they miss, they, people are like vendors are coming from different directions, but they're kind of converging. Because they're adding, like you know, uh, uh, functionality that others have, so they're converging. But they said this is the best way to do it. So I, I just feel that you know, uh, experts uh, are hard to find. They're, all they're doing is they're just diligently learning the topic and have the humility to not call themselves an expert and just just you know keep talk to people, learn different things, and our views change. And um, I guess. You- Honest, no BS. Be cautious when
1: people uh, uh, call themselves an expert on a topic.
0: Yeah, I guess. What's your recommendation and how folks should navigate this? Because I think that you know everybody is hungry for expertise, yeah. but also cautious of sort of a know-it-all mentality that says like. The answer to all your prayers is operational analytics, or something like that, right? And right. I think I think we've tr- all been trained not just as a as a data space, but as people yeah. <laughs> people in general to be cautious of that kind of language. I guess how do you how do you be how do you navigate it when there isn't a clear right or wrong answer?
2: You know, there uh, there is no other way but to experiment. Uh, the, the, you will not know uh, whether the answer is right or wrong unless you apply to your own use case, your own problem statement, how would you know? I mean, you know, uh, you can talk to any number of data warehouse vendors and they'll tell you, we are the best, we are the fastest. But your requirement, your query workload may be such that they may not be the fastest. And like, you know, when and you cannot look at benchmarks because people cherry pick only the queries which ran the best for you know, for their uh, product and and the queries that did not run in that TPC, DS uh, uh, yeah or TPC they may not even uh, talk about it. So it, so basically, you you have to do your own experiment. And I know that takes time. Uh, not everyone has the skills, but that's the only only way out, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so. I want to talk about
1: uh, getting into the principles because I think this is something that uh, we should be doing, but I do want to kind of take a quick pause here and and always say thank you to Data.World. This episode is brought to you by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. Data.World makes data discovery, governance, and analysis easy, turning data workers into knowledge superheroes. To, visit, to learn more, visit uh, Data.World. So, Last week, I was uh, at, in Madrid, and I was uh, I was in Madrid because I was visiting uh, the university, the Technical University of, of, of Madrid, uh, giving a course on agile data governance hmm. uh, for the Masters in AI program. And I did this little experiment, which was educating everybody about the modern data stack. And it's very interesting to see people like uh, I think we live in this bubble about all the tools, and I kind of go out and I'm like these are these are people. In their, in, in, I mean, they're, they're either they finished their undergrad recently, or they're working, and they're kind of getting a master's. To figure fair, what's next? And they're like, I had no idea about all this, all these tools that came out. So we went through the history of of kind of data integration and your traditional ETL tools and data warehouses and stuff. And these are things that they've seen for a while, right? And we all took took like twenty minutes, and I said, just Google modern data stack. Look for images. And let's go analyze them and go see all these things. And then we sat down and said, okay, we're not going to talk about technology. We're not going to talk about tools. Let's go talk about the principles of stuff. And what came out of this discussion was the principles were I need to store things. Okay. You need to store, you need to be able to go query them. Perfect. You need to go make an analysis about that. Right. Mm-hmm okay um, I need to move my data from the sources to the, to, the, to that to the storage layer. so there's some movement. What was interesting is that they acknowledge that in, that movement was actually three parts. there was like understanding the meaning, uh, connecting that meaning to the source and then the actual action of moving the data. And then so that's so if we look zoom out, that's like kind of ETL, but the T kind of split yeah. out and then the storage. So that was interesting that is like we, we see all this technology in the and what we're seeing today, the principles kind of continue the test of time over the last 22 decades. But what happened, which I really found fascinating, is that we start looking at all these tools and like, well, there's a catalog and there's quality and then there's this thing and that thing and blah, blah, blah. And they ended up, all the students ended up kind of agreeing saying, yeah, there's kind of like one layer that touches everything because... Mm-hmm. Talk about quality, like this is what somebody said, but quality, I need the quality in my analytics. But somebody said, but I also want the quality in my dashboard, in my storage, but I also want the quality in the source. I'm like, yeah, so the, so, and then somebody else came up with this other thing, like you want it all over the place. So now that you're bringing up, like we talk about the glue, I'm like, there is this layer that touches everything. And I think that's that metadata, the glue stuff that it is really hard to, I think at this yeah. moment to separate in different parts, but the principles uh, I mean, they, 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 they lived the test of time. What we're seeing 20, 30 years ago are the same things we see today. And I think it's really important to think about it as the principles. What are the inputs and what are the outputs? Mm-hmm. And
2: that way is that's a way to kind of
1: not get so bogged down to the technology.
2: Anyway, yeah. Uh, was, so, so, one, uh, just uh, I, I think context is really important here. I think that's what you're pointing out. Like, for example, let's say, you know, I'm looking, uh, I'm using technology to see if I'm missing data. So I scan through my database and I don't have missing data. So I'm like, oh, good. But I have city named San Francisco and the state is Alabama. You know, maybe there is a San Francisco in Alabama. Maybe it is correct. But the context can tell me that, wait, you know, uh, that just doesn't make sense. So you see, this is where our technology or, or our uh, uh, future solutions are going to, where they're looking at, you know, the semantic values and the, the context, and they're saying, I don't have a problem that's a technical problem. I have a business mismatch. How do I know it's a business mismatch? It is because I've built a graph. And based on graph, I can say that, you know, uh, every San Francisco customer is in California. How can this San Francisco customer be in Alabama? Maybe there is a problem. And this is a much harder problem to solve than, you know, a technical problem. And, and this is why I caution everybody that it's not
1: just about technology. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This is data management is a social technical And we've been focusing so much on the technical aspects.
0: Well, and in particular, just to tie it back to metadata, it's hard to get to a full solution on, even if we're just looking at things like quality, like you kind of just brought up that example, Sanjeev. It's hard to get to true sort of success there without Mm -hmm. more context. Yes. It's it's, it's, it's one of the things that I... I'm cautious of some, for example, observability tools and things like that to kind of come in and say like, oh, freshness and nulls. And like you look at those things and you solve your, your problems and that, there is a lot that you solve with that, like no doubt. Right. But the next stage of this all is like, how do we get more contextually aware?
2: Yeah, that is true. And and, and also to take it uh, a, a step further, uh, observability has somehow become synonymous with data quality monitoring which is not a new topic but it's not just about you know quality it is about how did my pipeline perform you know uh, did it you know uh, perform on time uh, did i use the right amount of resources see again me- metadata is telling me that you know uh, uh, that you know you are uh, you over provisioned uh, your nodes and you paid 10 times more. So now there's cost, there's performance, there's reliability in addition to quality. That is true observability.
1: Sanjeev, we can keep talking for hours and I look forward to seeing you soon in person. Well, before we wrap up and go to our lightning round stuff, Something that I do appreciate is is you're in this independent position right now, right? You're yeah. talking to so many people, um, and that kind of be can be scary at points, and especially right now, you're talking about like we're well, I mean, we're maybe hitting a recession and stuff, and people are like, "What's going to go right, on?" Right? right? People right. become independent. Yeah, I'd love to throw it to you and kind of give us some some points of advice in this uh, life of an independent
2: analyst. Uh, you have right now, uh, thank you for asking that. You know, I have to say. Take it from me. I started as an independent in my fifties, mid-fifties. You know, so if you listeners are in your thirties, I just have to tell you that uh, uh, what my story is. So every day I wake up with two things: one, a blank slate, and two, a sense of panic. And that panic is is you can call it imposter syndrome. So I know people have been talking quite a bit about imposter syndrome, but all I have to say is love it, embrace it, and be thankful for it. If you don't have imposter syndrome, all of you in your 30s, 40s, then go get it. Because I'm sorry for you if you don't have imposter syndrome. That is how you're really pushing yourself. You're getting out of uh, your comfort zone. And you know it's it's an artifact of our environment it's got it's not personal that i have signed up to do something and I, I don't know how to do it i shouldn't be doing it no it's a, it's a, my environment is changing so so naturally i am not going to be on top of it i have i have to go research and i have to talk to people and i have to ask you know get on a slack channel for let's say data mesh and say i data mesh is all around me. I don't know what to do. Please help me. And you'll be amazed at how many people are there to help. So that is my life. You know, uh, as an independent advisor analyst, I now no longer I'm doing technology. You know, companies will ask me, so what is the ARR and NDR and ACV of this company? Since when have I become a financial guy? But guess what? I am now. So now I'm, I'm like trying to, you know, Google and see how do I learn these these things. That's, you know, I, it's that's I'm saying. All I'm saying is, you know, be comfortable with that.
1: This is excellent advice. And actually, I love what you just said. Like, if you don't have imposter syndrome, I feel bad for you. Go get it. <laughs> uh, uh, th- that's a very strong, bold thing. We didn't get the chance. I mean, very quickly. This is a. a, a we, moments so times that we've talked before I, we bring up the I brought up the ordinary versus the profound truths right So there's a, a, a quote by Niels Bohr ordinary truth is one that uh, whose opposite is a falsehood mm-hmm. right And then the profound truth is uh, one that whose opposite is also profound truth oh, wow. and I can apply that for vision and a lot of these things right you know, they say well databases need to be faster. That's an ordinary truth or ordinary vision yes, because, of course, the opposite is stupid, is false. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah. what you just said is like, well, an imposter syndrome, like you should go get off po- imposter syndrome. I mean, yeah. the opposite of that is something, I mean, it, it, it's debatable. And I, that's why I think it's a very profound um, uh, 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 suggestion, recommendation that you gave here. Oh, thank so you. Think, thank you for that. I never You're thought about that way. Well, we can keep, uh, so much stuff about. But, but okay, so let's go into our lightning round because we have more. Yeah, so lightning round is presented by data.world, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. And I'm gonna start with the first one. Okay. Is lineage one of the first use cases you should focus on around metadata?
2: No, I, I don't think so. I I, I don't, I, I think your use case should be more organic. If you say I, I must have lineage as a first use case, uh, maybe not, you know, I think, your your first use case should be the most impactful problem that you've not been able to solve, not the low hanging fruit.
1: Oh, because usually, if you do the quadrant of high value, low value, low hanging fruit, high right, more complicated. You want to find the highest value, the low hanging fruit.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I if I go to my boss and I say, by the way, life as an independent, my boss can't fire me anymore. So and so also, you know, if I have imposter syndrome, what do you do as a consultant? You go call a team meeting and you discuss. So when I call a team meeting, I'm usually talking to myself. So, but so so my my uh, anyway, I I've lost track of where I was. Going. <laughs> I love this. <it. laughs>
1: well, what we know now is that Sanjeev, you talk to yourself a lot. <laughs> Yes.
0: In the bathroom in front of the mirror is the conference room. Right? No, yes. um, all right. Tim, all right. Next question. So um, uh, we, you know, we we talked about this a lot, and actually, when you came and you uh, talked at our summit, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't get into it too much today, but around sort of adoption, adoption around sort of data tools and around metadata and things like that. And uh, my question for you is: um, Will catalogs uh, eventually have more users uh, in a company than a BI tool?
2: I think it's already starting to happen. Because catalog becomes, uh, catalogs are subsuming some of the BI capabilities. Uh, So this allows me to do, you know, it's not a replacement. So I I just want to be very clear. I'm not going to do heavy uh, duty drill down, drill sideways and all of that. But if I want to visualize my data, if I want to get understanding of my data, I want to discover, uh, I think that, you know, we will see a time when the catalogs will become uh, we'll have more users and the BI tools. All right,
1: I, uh, I think that's a that's a a vision that many people listening are really excited to to, to hear from you.
2: So, I mean, how many uh, millions of users do you have on data data Like two million or maybe twenty? I, I don't know how many mil- one point six million something something one, in that
0: realm. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, yeah, no. mm-hmm.
2: yeah I, and one of the reasons is because. that you are cataloging and, and it's easier to find a public data set through a catalog than to go directly and, and try to figure out like what's the schema of this, what, what does this mean, right? Mm-hmm. So so the more and more we catalog these, these data sets, the more it'll attract people to the catalogs.
1: All right, next question. So you talked about the value of an integrated approach. Yeah. Will metadata remain separate? Or does it merge over time into the data plane, like your warehouse, or ETL, or, or, or your metadata engine? Or,
2: yeah, you know, uh, metadata I, becomes part of the story. And some, like Snowflake, for instance, I've never heard Snowflake talk about metadata. It's just part of their offering, you know. Uh, uh, so, uh, I that's how I see it. I, I don't, I don't want metadata to be its own thing because if it becomes its own thing then you know we are again talking about two different islands so it should be all. it should converge
0: I, I like that idea of it being being much more integrated and maybe thinking about your data stack and your metadata stack being kind of the same thing it's all part you right. know metadata is just another right. kind of data
2: right exactly mm-hmm. yeah.
0: um all right next question um so we aren't really talking a lot these days about like big data, big data, right? But remember when that was the the, the hottest thing we could possibly be talking about every second, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, obviously today, folks are really excited about various topics. Modern data stack is one of them, right? Um, ten years from now, do you think similar to kind of big data, the sort of this hype of like modern data stack is gonna is gonna fade? Are we gonna be talking about the modern data stack in ten years?
2: A hundred percent. We'll call it something else because we love inventing terms and and names, but the the idea is is for big data, the way I define big data is when the amount of data you have to process exceeds your existing capacity, whether it's a mental capacity or physical or, or resource infrastructure, it doesn't matter. That's big data. And that is modern data stack. You know, 10 years, 15 years from now, we'll be solving the same problem, but we'll have a, a, a more f- flowery term to, to call it. I really
1: hope that we're not solving the same problem in 10 years from now. Yes. Yeah. But I'm afraid I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to our, 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 our next segment here. If you remember, it's the Mesh Minute. Mm-hmm. So one minute to rant
2: pontificate about data mesh, whatever you want. Ready, set, go. All right, stop me. OK, great. So data, data mesh conceptually is excellent. I am a big fan of of data mesh, but I've spoken to a number of people who have implemented data mesh. They are saying amazing things about what they've done, except when you start listening to them, you go, wait, so everybody is on the same infrastructure? What happened to self-service data infrastructure? They're like, no, 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 we don't believe in that. So so I, I think that, uh, Like today, by the way, I attended a session uh, on data mesh by a vendor, and to them, data mesh is an H tap database, operational and analytical, with the BI and and data science use cases on top through data federation. That is how they define data mesh. So, data mesh is is a term that is just there is no uh, no. Clear definition. Uh, what Jamak has defined is great. I I'm a huge fan of, of what she's done, uh, but uh, execution is is going to be a problem. All right, mm. I like that. Execution is going to be a problem,
1: and not surprising. But yeah,
0: and and uh, and not everybody who claims to be implementing a mesh is has truly embraced the principles exactly as they've been defined. And m- yeah. Maybe maybe that's because they should, and maybe it's because they shouldn't. Right. <laughs> so.
1: All right, Tim. T, 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 Tim, take us away with your takeaways. Oh, my goodness.
0: So many good notes here, Sanjeev. Thank you for the conversation today. So um, I'll start by saying that um, you did a great job kind of posing what some of the the problem in the situation is that we have today in in the data space uh, and how we talk about the data space. And you, you mentioned that there's a lot of micro segmentation going on, right? Mm-hmm. Every layer is getting split up into lots of boxes and you've got 20 vendors all raising their hands saying, I'm in that box. I'm in that box. Maybe I'm in multiple boxes. Right. So we got. You know, we get and we end up with the Matt Turk uh, uh, landscape yes. view, right, with the millions of boxes Madness. and millions of logos. Right. right. Uh, and you get things like, uh, oh, you know, reverse detail, operational analyze, data activation, every vendor. Not only are they trying to figure out what box they sit in because that's valuable. They also want to break out of the box because breaking out of the box is valuable, too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. And ultimately it all comes back to, you mentioned customer value, customer problems. What are the problems that they are facing? They want to make the right solutions that solve their problems. Uh, and be future-proof and not just kind of follow wherever the wind is blowing, right? So I think that's an important takeaway for for folks listening to this, right? Despite all the jargon, don't get caught up in that, right? Just listen to values and, and to vendors that are listening, you know, uh, be customer-centric, right? Yeah. Um, start with the big picture um, and then start small with your actions. Uh, I think that's a nice kind of uh, dichotomy there. Um, and uh, we asked you about what is your the the Sanjeev modern data stack? right um, and uh, you had mentioned that yeah there's these building blocks like fivetran DBT snowflake etc um, but also if you look bigger right it's also things like your operational database it's things like your SAS tools and things like that a lot mm-hmm. of the data is actually originating there. Um, And, um, you know, you should include this kind of operational layer in your way of looking at your data stack uh, because, you know, you've got problems to solve. It doesn't matter if it doesn't neatly fit into these modern data stack buckets. A lot of those SaaS tools are creating the data that you need in order to do your job, in order to, to understand what your business is doing. And if you care about things like quality and advanced analytics and ML and AI and things like that, it relies on the data that's in those operational systems in addition to what's in your analytical systems. Right? Uh, so I thought that was really valuable. You talked about data producers, data enablers and data consumers. And you talked about two options that you might want to do to approach your modern data stack. One is more like best of breed and then integrate them together. The other one being a more integrated solution where you buy sort of a platform or a suite either way the different use cases the different forms where information is going to be collected and sort of where metadata might be coming out of those things better be able to work together better be integrated right
1: yep um juan what about you wow we got so much stuff here um metadata we talk so much about metadata and uh, apparently you never met a data you didn't like right <laughs> going to get that T-shirt. I never met a data I didn't like. Uh, metadata is the glue. And I really love this, right? Because I think it, it, it truly is something that when you zoom out, it's like it's all over the place. Everything's emitted and everything, and it goes back to it, right? So, I mean, with without the metadata accommodated, it's so hard to have understand what's really going on. And and I, I like your position is that metadata should be the master. It should be the, the, the leader that drives the security, the privacy, the access, the transformation, right? That they're the drive. metadata is a driver for this. Um, and like how, how big of a driver, like we're all talking about moving to the cloud and that's gonna be the panacea for cost reduction. But now we actually go in and we're like actually paying more because we moved to the cloud. And why is that? Who are, how do we explain that? Metadata is the answer to that, right? Mm-hmm. So we also talked about reasons why metadata in a graph can be very effective, right? To analyze, or analyze the relationships, the centrality, all these things. So looking at the metadata management problem as a graph, you'd be able to bring in all these other techniques about graph analytics. Um, Talking about catalogs, right? Catalog and cocktails, right? Talking about data catalogs and how they can come up in different shapes, right? I really love yeah. how you say that it's invisible, it's headless, right? It can be a bot and automation, but we also had this good discussion. It's not just that, right? There can also be the marketplace, right? The way you search. And it depends on the experience of the user and the use case too. Um, but it's important to, under- to to acknowledge that metadata is, is just a means to an end, right? It provides all that context. And, and finally, I, I, I really, I'm really glad that you are, are, are kind of on board with the vision that I personally have here is that metadata is not just the technical. And, and when we think about business metadata, it's about the questions people have and who's having them, the context, right? The hypotheses, the, the decisions, right? People, process, context. Uh, that's like a knowledge, the knowledge first world that I'm talking about. Uh, we live in changing times. No one is an expert. So actually, let's be very cautious when people say they're an expert. And how do you deal with this? Like, honestly, just got to go try these things out. You got to be experiment. Be very curious about it. Uh, And then finally, I love your your final personal advice that you shared with everybody here about you being an independent analyst, being an independent role right now. I love this. You wake up with two things, a blank slate and a good sense of panic. Mm -hmm. And uh, this notion of being an imposter, having imposter syndrome, go get it. You're not having positive room. go get it. Get out of your comfort zone.
2: Um, Sanjeev, how did we do? What did we amazing. I, this is the best part when you bring it all together. When I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh, great. This is, this is a summary, the summary section of a document. So that was amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. So thank
1: you. throw it back to you. We got three quick questions. One, yeah. what's your advice? Two, who should we invite next? And three, what are the resources that you follow? Who, who do you follow? What blogs or what events do you go to? What are the podcasts you listen to?
2: Okay, so uh, if I start from the end, uh, I, I listen, you know, uh, to a, a lot of podcasts, you know, uh, basically from all, like analytics engineering podcast, uh, you know, there's, monday morning data chat so so i i that's how i i keep up to date you know I, i'm listening to people uh who has spent a lot of time in this space uh reading a lot of blogs uh every week i see you know the, the people will send an email some of the the influencers here are the most common blogs like ben Stansil does an amazing job uh every week you know I, it just amazes me i wish i had uh, his expertise of writing, uh, so so that's how I keep up to date. Uh, as far as inviting somebody, uh, I just I didn't come thinking who would be a good person, but since I talked quite a bit about observability, if you haven't uh, you know had a lot of people from observability in your show, I would say there's one company that I think is doing it really well. It's Axel Data and Rohit Chaudhary is a ex HortonWorks guy who's been in this space forever. I think he might be a good addition uh, on your show.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. And then for the advice, I'm going to add your advice there, which is uh, go get imposter syndrome.
2: Yes. Perfect. Love it. All right. <laughs> next you. week,
1: we are going to be in Snowflake Summit live. I will be there. Tim will be here in Austin. I will be in Vegas. And actually, our guest is going to be Peter Kapoor from Waste Management. Mm-hmm. And Peter's also a fantastic uh, speaker and just has, uh, we're uh, uh, he's another honest, no BS guy who talks about, we're going to talk about the extracting value out of data. Um, and with that, always thanks to Data.World, the Enterprise Data Catalog for the modern data stack for supporting us to let us do Catalog Cocktails every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Sanjeev. We appreciate you right, right, for on. all this yeah. amazing input, advice, just and great puns.
2: I love all this stuff. We have so much uh, great uh, comedic action today, too. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are responsible for it. You know, like, don't push me.
0: We'll we'll push you, too. You've been awesome, Sanjeev. We're here to entertain and educate. So (laughs) cheers.
1: Cheers, Cheers. Sanjeev.
0: This is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks
2: to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan
0: base.